Hey, what's going on, friends? Question for you. Do you trust everyone you meet? Or do you trust absolutely no one? Better yet, how trusting are you of others? Join us on this episode of Audit Bites as we discuss. The levels of professional skepticism for auditors. All right, let's go. Welcome to Audit Bites, the podcast that helps auditors become awesome. Join us for bite-sized info and education to excel in your auditing career. All right, my friends, welcome to Episode number 52 of Audit Bites, the levels of professional skepticism for auditors. Remember, we are the only live podcast discussing auditing. It's also the place where we help auditors to become awesome. And again, today, the levels of professional skepticism for auditors. Listen, whenever something happens, the first thing that people say to you is, well, You shouldn't have trusted him or her. Whenever you question something, though, the first thing people say to you is, don't you trust me? So on one hand, we get blamed for being too trusting. And then on the other hand, we get blamed for not being trusting enough. From Jerry Springer to Maury Povich, we've all seen those paternity shows where scores of would-be parents find out they are not the father. Now, in the same vein, auditors, I'm sure many of you have been told what you should and should not look at, what information you should and should not trust. And for us, trust, well, it's sometimes that elusive thing that requires some tact and also some instinct in order to navigate. As a matter of fact, we call it professional skepticism. So I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. How much do you trust your clients? Let me know if you're listening in the chat. How much do you trust your clients? So now, now that I've asked that question. I want you to trust me with something. Listen, are you tired of being told you kind of sound like an auditor? Does the thought of artificial intelligence kind of scare you? Are you having trouble navigating your audit career? If so, if you've answered yes to one of those three, I want to invite you to an upcoming session, the Talk Business Think Audit Summit. It's on February the 6th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to be myself and Dr. Sabine Charles. This is a summit that you don't want to miss. Three hours of fun CPE. Now, for my auditors, I've got to tell you, it is not free, but it's well worth the cost of admission. I have just dropped the link into the chat. So if you are listening on LinkedIn, you should be able to go directly to the chat and see it. And by the way, If you are listening on YouTube, we're going to drop that link in the YouTube chat as well. Here's the other thing. 
If you're not listening on YouTube, why? Go over and subscribe to our YouTube channel. All right, so now that that's out of the way, back to our regularly scheduled program. How much do you trust your clients? Mary Ann is here. She says, long time. Yeah, Mary <laughs> Mary Ann and I just finished recording an episode on John Tabor's Audit 15 Fun podcast. So you see, there's a lot of good podcasters out there talking about audit. John happens to be one of them. He happens to be a friend. I have a lot of respect for him. So you got to catch this episode because it was really, really, really good. I mean, if anything, you just watch it to see Mary Ann because nobody cares about the rest of us, right? Clarence said, thanks for the invite. You didn't miss it this time. Yeah, man, we are here. We are here. Now, Clarence, Clarence, let me just tell you a secret. We typically run Audit Bites every other Tuesday at 11.15 a.m. But this week, this week, I'm feeling real good this week. So we're doing an episode today, Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we have a special episode that won't be broadcast on LinkedIn or YouTube. You have to sign up for my newsletter or email me and we'll get you the link to that one. All right. All right. So, so. How much do you trust your clients? Marianne says that's a good question. She's not sure if it's about trust. It's more about evidencing controls to fulfill our requirements. Ooh, you may want to hang on for a little bit there, Marianne. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yep. Clarence, hey, anytime, man. Every other Tuesday is um, Audit Bites. But again, this week, I just, I don't know, man, I just felt real good. You know, you know, sometimes the mood hits you and you just kind of feel like doing something special. Okay, so now, I like Marianne's point, but let's talk about this professional skepticism thing. What in the world is it? Because if you've read the new IIA standards, they talk about professional skepticism quite a bit. It was in the old standards too, but in this one, they talk about being trained on what professional skepticism is. Now, you're not required to comply with those standards until next year, but consider this your early training. All right. So listen, let, let's take a few definitions of professional skepticism. Our good friends at the PCAOB, our good friends at the PCAOB, they describe professional skepticism in their auditing standard 1015. They say that it is. Due professional care requires the auditor to exercise professional skepticism. Professional skepticism is an attitude. It's an attitude that includes a questioning mind and a critical assessment of audit evidence. Ah, that's kind of getting to what you said, Marianne. Doesn't really have to do with trust, right? It's about analyzing the evidence. Now, the PCAOB went on further, though, to say that the auditor uses the knowledge, skill, and ability called for by the profession of public accounting to diligently perform in good faith and with integrity the gathering and objective evaluation of evidence. Okay, so. That's what our friends, the PCAOB, say about it. So what does the Institute of Internal Auditors say about professional skepticism? Now, you guys, this, this is a lot. This is a lot that they have to say about it. This is from the new standard that just came out. 
Standard 4.3, professional skepticism. Considerations for implementation. Professional skepticism enables internal auditors to make objective judgments based on facts, information, and logic rather than trust or belief. Ah, skepticism is the attitude of always questioning or doubting, ooh, doubting the validity and truthfulness of claims, statements, and other information. Now, that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? I, look, I, I just, now that I've read that, I just want to take a poll of you all. I just want to take a poll. Does that sound harsh to you all? Does that, does that sound harsh to anybody except me? Anybody else thinks that that sounds harsh? It says that skepticism is the attitude of always questioning or doubting the validity and truthfulness of claims, statements, and other information. Whew. That's a tough pill to swallow there, my friends. Let me, let me just put it up here for you all again. That's a part of the definition that the Institute of Internal Auditors has. Now, let's go to the second part of it. I'm sorry, those are the considerations for implementation. The second part says, internal auditors apply professional skepticism when they seek evidence to support and validate statements made by management, rather than simply trusting the information presented as true or genuine without question or doubt. Professional skepticism requires curiosity and the willingness to explore beyond the surface level of a given topic. Now, let me just pause for one moment here, because if you've listened to me for all of two minutes, you know that I've always said that curiosity is an auditor's superpower. And without it, you are nothing. Every auditor needs to be curious. Well, kind of sounds like that's what we're saying here. Yes, Roxanne, checking your bias. Yeah, that, that's that's one one way to look at it. Marianne said, I'm uh, sorry, Roxanne said that she just finished listening to Audit 15 and she'll definitely check out the episode that we were just on. Marianne says that I am being too kind and she was very happy to be on the podcast with me. You are too kind, my friend, too, too kind. Now, Roxanne says trust, but verify. So, Roxanne, let me ask a question. If we are verifying, then do we actually trust? If we are verifying, and it's just a question. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just being curious to see what your answer to that is going to be. If we are verifying, do we actually trust? That is the question that I have for you. If we are verifying, do we actually trust? You see, here's one thing that I believe. So I believe that being professionally skeptical means questioning and double checking just to be sure. Now, let me tell you, I didn't just pluck this definition out of thin air because, you know, I'm a simple guy. If you've seen any of my LinkedIn posts, especially one from the other day where I talked about making things simple. I went to chat GPT and I said, can you define professional skepticism for me? And it came out with these long paragraphs. I mean, very long. And so then I said, explain it to me like I'm three. OK, I didn't really say that. I said, 
explain it to me in a language that a young adult would understand. And this is what it came up with. Being professionally skeptical means always questioning and double checking things just to be sure. That is what professional skepticism is. Now, let's go back to the terms in the new IIA standards that I pulled up because we got some comments on that. Marianne says, quote, doubting validity. Those are strong words. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. That's very strong. And for us as auditors, here's what it does. If we actually embody that specific language, it put us it puts us in a mode of animosity with our audit clients. If we're sitting here thinking that everyone is a criminal and everyone is lying. And that is why I'm doing this podcast episode today, because we're going to talk about what really professional skepticism is. Now, I asked the question earlier to Roxanne, if you are trusting but verifying, did you really trust to begin with? And she just said, good point. I guess not. Hold on before you say you guess not. It was just a question for curiosity because there is some merit to it. But but that term is overly used and it kind of it's kind of a negating term. We use it all the time, but it is kind of a negating term. Right now, Clarence is saying no, because it can blow up in your face. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, Roxanne brings up a good point. We talk about triangulation of evidence in, in education. Yes, this is extremely, extremely important. Okay. Okay. So now, now, Let's go back to my simple definition. Being professionally skeptical means always questioning and double checking things just to be sure. I like that definition a whole lot better than any I've ever seen. Thank you, ChatGPT, with a little prompting from me, right? Because if you try to go to ChatGPT and ask it, it's going to give you this really long definition. But, but, but here's the other thing that I wholeheartedly believe. I believe that there is a certain level of trust that must that we must have even in our skepticism. There's a certain level of trust that we must have even in our skepticism, which goes back to the definition. You're just questioning to double check just to be sure. Right. OK. So now some of you are going to disagree with this statement that's on the screen. There is a certain level of trust that you must have even in your skepticism. Some of you are going to say what Roxanne said, trust but verify. But what we are really doing is we're trying to determine how much trust can we put in people, processes and technology. The things that we're auditing, how much trust can we put in the information that we receive and the people that we receive it from and the technology that is driving those processes that the people are using that are giving us that information? OK. See, at the end of the day, we have to assess risk, processes, and controls. And our objective, to Mary Ann's point, is to obtain sufficient information so that we can make a conclusion that our stakeholders can trust. So by default, there is a certain level of trust that you got to have even in your skepticism. Now, now. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Sorry, you guys. There is a certain level of trust that you must have even in your skepticism. Now, before I go on and 
tell you a little bit more information. I want to remind you again that the Talk Business Think Audit Summit in February. I dropped the link in the chat already for you, but I will drop it again. You don't want to miss this three-hour CPE event. And while I have your attention, I want you to join me tomorrow for another surprise episode of Audit Bites. This one is going to be titled, that is not the title of it. <laughs> I'll tell you the title in just one moment. Wednesday's episode is going to be titled The Auditor's Trust Framework. The Auditor's Trust Framework. All right. Ah, okay. So Roxanne says she likes that definition too, clear and concise. I don't know if you guys saw my post from last Monday where I talked about keeping things clear and concise. It blew up on LinkedIn. I actually got some hate mail because of it. You know something is really, you know you're doing the right thing when you start to get hate mail, right? But basically I said the smartest person in the room is the person that can explain things clearly. And I got some hate mail. So anyway. Back to our regularly scheduled program. There is a certain level of trust even in your skepticism. But don't just take my word for it. Let's talk about this based on philosophical <clears throat> evidence. But before we get there, let's talk about a few things that we have to trust first. You have to determine how much trust you're going to place in people, processes, and information. I just said that a few minutes ago. Here's what I mean by that, though. You have to determine if the people that you're talking to are competent. Can they do the job that you are currently auditing, that process? Now, if you can trust that they're competent, you got to move on to the next level of truth, the next level of trust, which is, are they truthful? Just because they're competent doesn't mean that they're going to tell you the truth, right? And then the next thing you need to determine is, is the information that they're giving you useful? So as we go through this process, when we initially meet our audit clients, especially when we're doing walkthroughs, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, is this person competent? Okay, if we check that off, then we can trust that they have the ability to do the job. We still have some professional skepticism as far as the execution of the task that they're over, though, right? but we trust that they're competent. Now we look for indicators of honesty and or dishonesty. Is this a truthful person? Can I trust what they're telling me? Okay, if I can trust what they're telling me, now I can move on to the next thing in my professional skepticism. The information that they're giving me, is this useful information for the process that I'm currently trying to understand and or audit? Okay, if it's useful information, okay, I can trust that it's useful. So then now we dig into the actual information itself. But we're not done yet with our professional skepticism. Okay, listen, listen. I know some people are going to, I'm probably going to get some hate mail for this one too, right? Because I'm saying there's a certain level of trust that you must have even in your skepticism. You see, my argument is that our skepticism doesn't, preclude us to be totally untrusting. What we're trying to do is determine how trustworthy the information actually is. We want the highest level of trustworthiness, but we'll never be able to get 100% trustworthy 
information. Now, if you think that I'm not telling the truth here, let's back this up with philosophy. So now in philosophy, there is a term called epistemology. It is the philosophical study of nature, origin, and the limits of human knowledge. And there are a few different levels to knowledge within epistemology. The first one is global skepticism. So let's talk about global skepticism for just one moment. Global skepticism, in simplistic terms, is believing that it's impossible to know anything for sure. The global skepticism means that it's impossible to know anything for sure. Now that's probably on one end of the skepticism spectrum, right? The next one is moderate anti-skepticism. Now, what that is, is accepting that we can know some things, but understanding that there are limits. So we can know certain things, but there's limits to the things that we can know. The next one is radical anti-skepticism. Now, in simplistic terms, what that is, is accepting that we can know some things, but understanding that there are limits. I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong one. Radical skepticism is thinking it's possible to know everything there is to know. Then there is strong global omniscience. Strong global omniscience. And what that is, is believing that not only can we know everything, but we already do right now. Okay, so let me run through these again, because I'm going somewhere with this. So, epistemology is the philosophical study of the nature, origin, and limits of human knowledge. Within that, there are four overriding principles. The first is total global skepticism. Now, that means believing that it's impossible to know anything for sure. Those are those people who are Debbie Downers and are never, ever positive in your life. Yeah. Moderate anti-skepticism means accepting that we can know some things, but understanding that there are limits to the things that we can know. Now, for auditors, that might mean there's a limit to your time. There's a limit to the knowledge of the people that you're talking to. You can't know everything. Radical anti-skepticism is thinking it's possible to know everything that there is to know. Now, these are the auditors who prolong projects because they're trying to find every single answer. And then the last one is strong global omniscience. And this is believing that not only can we know everything, but we already do. Now, I call this Delulu. Like this is just straight delusion here to think, to think that we know everything. Now, chat GPT might know everything, but we don't know everything. OK, so. You're probably wondering, where am I going with this? So here's where I'm going with this. Oh, before I go there, let me go to the audience. I, you know what? You guys are great. I didn't even say it. But Roxanne says two sounds good. Now, I am of the personal opinion that two is where we want to be both professionally and personally. 
I think that two are some of the best people in the world. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Two is moderate anti-skepticism. That is accepting that we can know some things, but understanding that there are limits to the things that we can know. I'm with you, Roxanne. So for anybody else that wants to chime in, which one is your favorite? Which one is your favorite? Oh, Roxanne, it's okay. Roxanne is saying, sorry to hear that, Rob. Not cool when I said I got some hate mail. No worries. It just means that I've made it, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's okay. I'm actually, I'll save that for later. But yeah, the hate mail is real sometimes. Okay. So you're probably wondering, where am I going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. There are four levels to trust as it relates to professional skepticism. There are four levels to trust as it relates to professional skepticism. You guys want to hear about those four levels of trust as it relates to professional skepticism? Let me know. Um, let me know in the chat. Show me some reactions or something, and then we can uh, get started talking about the four levels of trust as it as it relates to professional skepticism. Ah, well, all right, you guys, here's what we're going to do. I think you're going to see all four at one time. You know how I do it. I like to put out one at a time and then have a discussion. But I think I messed up my slide. So I think they're all four going to come out at one time. So let's talk about the four levels of trust as it relates to professional skepticism. One is to trust blindly and become a skeptic later. That's the auditor that you send out to do a walkthrough. And they come back hearing everything from the client and then they write it up. And when you start reviewing their work, you have questions. And when you have questions, they don't have answers except for, well, this is how they said it was done. This level can be entirely too trusting to the point where you don't gather sufficient evidence. So some people trust blindly and then later on they become a skeptic after they get a ton of review notes or after something bad happens. The second level is you can be skeptical now and build trust over time. Now notice I didn't say anything about not trusting, but you can be skeptical. You got to have certain doubts. You got to have certain reservations. You just want to gather the evidence, as Marianne said earlier, to determine if things are operating effectively and efficiently. So you can be skeptical and then allow the trust to build as you gain more information. Or you can trust everything always. You don't even become skeptical later. You just trust everything. This is your Pollyanna person. Everything is great in the world. I just believe the clients because they said so. If you fall in the bucket of number three, you need to watch my other podcast, The Friday Fraudster, where every Friday we take a fraud headline and we discuss it live on LinkedIn and YouTube. All right. The fourth level is always the skeptic, but never, ever trust anyone. Again, this is what I call Delulu. You're real delusional. 
maybe even paranoid, maybe even paranoid schizophrenic. You don't trust anybody, even after the evidence shows you that the process, the person and or the technology actually is trustworthy. All right. So. Even within our skepticism, there's a certain level of trust that we have to have. As I said earlier, we're evaluating the person. We're trying to see if they're competent. We're trying to see if the information that they give us is accurate. And we're trying to see if they are honest. We're looking through the levels of trust, the levels of skepticism to see how reliable and accurate the information that we have is so that we can draw some sort of logical conclusions. Now, while I have you here, one thing I want to ask you guys to do for me is tune in tomorrow. Same time, same channel. We're doing another special episode of Audit Bites. This one is called Why Auditors Always Harp on Policies. Why do auditors always harp on policies? Now, this one I think you're going to enjoy because we're bringing in some news stories that you've seen in the headlines lately to demonstrate and illustrate the point. Why auditors always harp on policies. Now, the other thing I want you to be aware of is, again, the Talk Business Think Audit Summit. Spread the word to all your friends. Listen, this is three hours. Hour one, we're going to talk about the language of business. One of the biggest complaints clients have about auditors is they say that they don't understand the business. Richard Chambers had a blog post echoing this recently. The second hour, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. It's not as scary as you think. And the third hour, we're going to talk about the phases of an audit career. So you want to come to this. I said earlier, it is not free, but you will find that it is worth your time and your hard earned money. So today we talked about the levels of professional skepticism on episode 53 of Audit Bites. And before I let you go, what I want to say is if you enjoy this type of training with some interaction, some engagement, call me up. Bring me into your IIA chapter, your ACFE chapter, your ISACA chapter, your private or public company. You will receive stellar training unlike anything that's out there in the marketplace today. So what I want to do is go back to my wonderful, wonderful audience. We've got Shri over on YouTube. Some of you guys should join her over there on YouTube. She's probably over there all alone. Roxanne says number two sounded good. Yeah, Roxanne, let's go back to number two. That sounded good to me too. That was my favorite one. It's the one we should strive for. Be skeptical now and then build trust over time. Marianne said she agrees with number two. Oh, wait a minute. Marianne says number two, but it is still worthwhile to keep professional skepticism as we need to remain vigilant and fulfill our professional duty. Absolutely. I think number two still has the skepticism, though. I think sometimes what we do is we we kind of intermix the terms skepticism and trust. And I think that they are related, but not one in the same. And over the years, that's what I noticed that auditors do a lot. 
They mix skepticism with trust. Skepticism is simply verifying to make sure. Now, it may be a lower level of trust that you have when you're being a skeptic, but you could still trust part of the information that you have or maybe even none of the information, but it doesn't negate trust all the way. I'll give you an example. You can have a thought or a belief about something, but still be skeptical about certain parts of it. Does that mean that you don't trust it all the way? No, it means that you have some skeptical nature about pieces of it. Marianne says, nice topic. Well, thank you very much, Marianne. I am glad that you like it. Pass the podcast along to any of your friends who you think might benefit from it. So this has been episode number 53 of Audit Bites, the levels of professional skepticism. I want to thank you all for joining me and we will see you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Audit Bites. If you receive value from this podcast, do us a favor. First, tell other auditors. Second, give us a five-star review. And finally, talk to Robert about training your auditors. Our contact information is on our website, www.thatauditguy.com. It's also where you will find our course catalog, on-demand courses, a kick-butt blog, other podcasts, Robert's best-selling books, and last but not least, audit merch. That's right, we have audit hats, shirts, mugs, and more. Thanks for watching and listening. See you next episode.